In today's episode of the Healthy Christian Leader podcast, we get to hear from Russ Conway on how to deal with difficult people. When leaders find themselves in the midst of frustrating interactions and experiences with parishioners, how are we to respond? Russ challenges leaders to remember that leadership starts with leading ourselves. Oftentimes we struggle to deal with difficult people because of the areas of brokenness still left unresolved in our life. But if we can lead ourselves into areas of growth, we can lead others into areas of growth. Russ encourages his listeners with the truth that when we slow down to take inventory of where we still need to grow in our lives, we will begin to have more clarity on how to deal with the difficult people in our lives. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen and fellow pastors and ministers in the Lord's work. It is an absolute pleasure that I'm able to speak to you today. And for those of you that may not know me, my name is Russ Conway, and I'm honored to serve as the lead pastor of Rock Church here in Halifax. For those of you that are watching at the wells around the province, we're so glad to be a part of what you're doing there. As I speak to you today, my prayer is very simple, and it is simply this, that as I share from my own personal journey and some of the learnings that the Lord has walked me through in my life and my journey, that what is presented today would be more than just information for your mind, but that it would be a deep impartation in your heart, into your life, and your ministry, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would leave this place today deeply encouraged and refreshed. So if you just join me for a moment, and let's just pray. Father, I just thank you this morning that you have given us this opportunity to gather together, to encourage one another, and I just pray today that the words that you've given me to share will encourage these men and women in a great way. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and everybody said together, amen. Well, my assignment today is to share with you on the topic of difficult people. Now, that's something that none of us have ever heard about, right? I know that. And I can see you out there right now saying something like this, say what, difficult people? What are you talking about? What are difficult people? I've never heard of that one before. I'm sure you're laughing right now. But seriously though, I would wager a guess that there would not be one of us in this room today that would not have had at some point in our life dealings with somebody that we could label as difficult. Um, someone who knows it all. Maybe it's in your family. Of course, these kind of people are never in the church. Maybe somebody whose opinion is at the center of every single discussion you seem to be having, or someone who's brash. Ah, maybe it's somebody who just won't listen, somebody who won't change, someone that's always negative, argumentative, someone who was always finding fault. You know what? I, I named a few of these people, and, and I hope you don't mind me sharing some of those names with you. I, I called a couple of them this, Oscar the Opinionator, Negative Nelly. How about fault-finding Fred? Has any of you ever met him? Or argumentative Andy? Or brash Bob? Or maybe crazy Catherine? I know. You've never had somebody crazy to work with in your church. Maybe it's just me. I've dealt with a few of those. And the list could go on and on. Or maybe, just a thought, maybe you or I are the difficult person. Now, there's a question worth asking. In my research and preparation for today's talk, I decided to research the signs that you need to look for if 
to find out if you're a difficult person. And I, I don't know, maybe you're not as interested as I am. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I thought that it would be helpful for me to name off a few. Let's just see if the shoe fits. So here's some signs to look for. You might be a difficult person if you have to stand on your head to smile. You might be a difficult person if people often tell you, you know what, you're a difficult person. You might be a difficult person if your parrot only knows swear words. And I get it in a minister's you know, session today, why would any of us have a parrot, first of all? But secondly, why would our parrot only know swear words? Hey, if you have a parrot and he only knows swear words, you might be a difficult person. Uh, you might be a difficult person if milk curdles when you drink it. I know. Hey, how about if you go to the job at work and you're not in the military, but people salute you when you come in? You, you just might be a difficult person. What if your wife addresses you as, hey, sir, you might be difficult or telemarketers hang up on you or your Christmas mystery person gift at work is a dog muzzle or you find out that your office has a pool on how many minutes it will be before you lose it again, or your funny bone hasn't laughed in years. I know these are funny little things, but hey, it's a little bit of fun before we start. I want you to take a moment, if you will, right here at the beginning, just think about that, difficult people. Think about difficult person. If I say a person that's difficult, does anybody in particular come to your mind? Wait, wait, don't raise your hand and please don't say names out loud. We, we, we don't want to expose that today. But I have a pretty good feeling that if I were to compile a survey about what causes stress in our lives as pastors and, and leaders, something to do with difficult people would be a significant contributor to the stress caused by ministry. And, and, and I guess the question bears to be asked, why is this even an important topic? Well, one of the books I found in my research was When Strangling is Not an Option. Now, I'm not gonna ask anyone here, have you ever felt like you wanted to strangle someone in your church or ministry? And please just keep that in the recesses of your heart. I don't know. I'll talk about myself a little bit. Sometimes it feels like you just want to reach out and, and bless someone with a smack right on the mouth or a boot in the rear. But after all, we can't do that. We're pastors, aren't we? And we're adults. The new term these, these days are we're adulting. And after all, we're adulting in the ministry. So as I was working on this presentation, I came across a, a few other fun things. And, and I just think it's important for us to have a, a little bit of fun as we start. So I'm going to read for you this little prayer. This is called the prayer for the stressed. It says, grant me, Lord, the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can't accept, and the wisdom to hide the bodies of those I had to kill today because they got on my nerves. Also help me to be careful of the toes that I step on today as they may be connected to the feet that I will have to kiss tomorrow. Help me to always work 100%, 12% on Monday, 23% on Tuesday, 40% on Wednesday, 20% on Thursday, and 5% on Friday. And help me to remember when I'm having a bad day and it seems that people are trying to wind me up that it takes 42 muscles to frown 28 muscles to smile, and only four to extend my arm and smack them in the mouth. Now, 
I know that no one here relates to that. Maybe I'm the one with the pent-up energy and, and the feelings that often want to take me over when I'm dealing with difficult people. But just for fun, let, let's just go there and, and think about it. Have you ever felt like I just can't handle another difficult person? How many times have you heard it said that there's no such thing as the perfect church? I've heard that a lot of times. And oftentimes we've joked about Things like this, well, our church would be perfect if it wasn't for the people in it. Or maybe you've heard it said, my marriage would be perfect if it wasn't for my spouse. My spiritual father and mentor, his name is Pastor Ted Uke, he would say this little saying lots of times when things got tough in the years that I was training with him. Hey, if the farmer wants to keep the barn clean, it's simple, just get rid of the animals, the horses, the cows. All of us know that animals make a mess. It's the same for the church. We can't do church without people. And if you want to have a church that's flawless or perfect or, or, or not, not any problems at all, simple solution, get rid of the people. <laughs> but then we know that there would be no one to work with. Isn't that so? We live in a world that is literally obsessed with perfection. The perfect hair, the perfect complexion, the perfect smile. We're in the selfie-obsessed world right now where everybody's just so, don't post that on Facebook unless I can check, does my image look perfect? And yet the truth of the matter is simple. You and I live very imperfect lives, even as leaders, even as pastors. The expectations are often there to perform that, that we've arrived, but the fact is we lead broken, imperfect people, and we are broken, imperfect people that are leading broken, imperfect people. It's just one of the consequences of sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way for us. It is interesting, I find, to talk to people, especially young people, but, not, but this is actually not limited to young people that are considering the ministry and they especially want to be a pastor, let's say a, a lead pastor or a senior pastor or whatever that title is in your circle, somehow... It seems to me that more times than none, that job seems so romantic. Well, all of you that are lead pastors here know what we do all day. We sit at a desk with a coffee cup and sip it while we laugh and, and answer the phone and, and talk to people and then go have another coffee and, and then another coffee before the day's done. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Nothing about difficult people there, but I don't know if it's a sense that there's a, there's a position of power or authority or, or being appreciated in that, but it just seems that people think that the job of a, of a pastor, a lead pastor, a senior pastor is the place they want to be. It sounds so romantic. Now, I don't know about you, but for those of us that have served any length of time in this type of a role, we know that it has a way of shaking the snot out of you, doesn't it? Excuse my term. It's just a shakedown and it's challenging, and sometimes you want to quit. Or maybe that's just me. I know, maybe you've never been there. And yet there's this calling on our lives, this persistent calling, this persistent tug in our hearts from the one that calls our Father, our God, the one that we've been called by, and we know inside that if we quit, we won't be happy because he would have us serve in this way. But without people, we have nothing. So with people, we get a mess. Um, the one thing that happens with everyone that's a person is that the thing that is perfect or we think can be perfect comes down to being imperfect. So 
one of the things that we have to remind ourselves of constantly in the ministry is that without people, without the ones that are difficult, the ones that are happy, the ones that are nice, mixed in there, there would be no place to do ministry. Now, when I think of difficult people in the Bible, I think of people that had a position to um, lead people. Let's say pastoring, if we if we could that that far back. I immediately think of Moses and the call that he had to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. Now, that's a job. I mean, we're talking about a big church. And so let's take a look at Numbers chapter 11, uh, verses 11 to 15. This is what it says. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says that Moses said this to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do? to deserve the burden of all these people. Did I give birth to them? Am I the one that brought them into the world? You can just hear his frustration. Why did you tell them to carry um, them in my arms? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries her child? How can I carry them to the land that you swore to give them and to their ancestors? And where can I get meat for all these people? They keep whining. They keep saying this and that, and, and we'll just go on. But a couple of lines further down, he says, if this is the way it's intended to be, God, just go ahead and kill me. Get it over with. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Have you ever felt like that? Before we think on that a little bit, let's, let's just take a, a read of it in the message translation. It's way better. Moses says to God, how come you're treating me this way, Lord? What did I ever do to deserve this? Did I conceive them? Was I their mother? Why do you dump the responsibility of this people on me? Why tell me to carry them around like a nursing mother, carry them all the way to the land that you promised to their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get all the meat for all these people that whine to me all the time? Give me meat. We want meat. I can't do this by myself. It's way too much, all these people. And if this is how you intend to treat me, do me a favor right now, kill me. I've seen enough, I've had enough, let me out of here. Well, it's hard to imagine that that was in the scripture, but there we have Moses, the one that God chose to lead the Israelites out of the promised land. And right away, my heart resonates with what he's saying there. I don't know. Maybe you don't struggle with your emotions the way I do, but when I hear people complain and whine or or scream, I think of difficult people. And it seems like there's no shortage of that. And sometimes in the ministry, you're like, God, I don't think I've ever asked God to kill me. Maybe you have. But I know that I've said to God, you know what? If this is how it is, I'm going to quit. That's my big four-letter promise. I'm going to quit. I've had it. I've had enough. I've seen enough. It's over. Maybe you've been there as well. And we're not going to spend a lot of time in this passage. You know, the interesting thing is what the Lord told Moses to do. He had him build a team, and, and that's an important part of dealing with difficult people. Don't try to do it alone. But what I want to do today is I want to talk a little bit about the overwhelming burden that we call ministry when it has to do with people. And hear me clearly, I do not want to in any way make the ministry seem like a drudgery. I personally love being pastor. I love doing the ministry that God's called me to, 
And I'm sure that you do too, but I'm also very aware that if we're real with ourselves, if we're real with each other, there are days that we've had enough. We just want it to be over. Days where maybe our feelings are frustrated, or maybe days where we feel angry, perhaps resentful. Maybe you've had those days where you've had a sense of being underappreciated or not even appreciated at all. Days where you're just plain tired, cranky, worn out. You end up taking it home and taking it out on your family, on your spouse, and on your children. These are things that are common to those of us that work in pastoral settings. You know, these settings could be different settings. It could be in the pastoral setting of a counseling office, um, walking with people through crisis. Many of us have to do that in pastoral care, or it could be settings that are more leadership-oriented, more executive settings, like working with our boards or leading volunteers or leading teams that are doing ministry. You know, each one of these requires something different. And it's just depending really on if the person is someone that attends our church and is causing issues or if they're a deeply committed leader or volunteer. And, and the answer is never just to tell people to like it or lump it. If you don't like it here, get out. I've heard that before. And I suppose sometimes that when you've done all and someone just is not going to change and things are not going to be better, that there comes a time where you may have to lovingly say, you know, maybe this isn't the place for you. But I want to talk today, going all the way back to the foundation, because so many times when I've sat in on talks like this, I've wanted somebody to give me a list of, of, of solutions for dealing with those negative, cranky, grumpy, hard to get along with people that just totally make me want to quit the ministry, especially on the days that I don't know that I want to keep going. And, and what I've decided we need to do is go all the way back to the beginning you know, it's like building a house on a foundation. I, I think of the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 when he talked about anyone who hears these words of mine and does them. They're like a wise man who builds his house on a rock or on a foundation. It wasn't long ago here in Halifax that the director of Aaron Ministries, Dwight Habermill, shared a word of exhortation with us about the solidity of building a home on a firm and a solid foundation and, 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 and why we always want to go there. The scripture is full of those kinds of things. So when I think of going back to the foundation of dealing with difficult people, I actually have to go all the way back, stand in front of a mirror and see who's looking back at me. And that is me. And so I just simply want to say this. How many of you today would, would say you know that leadership always starts with you. Would you raise your hands for me this morning? Okay. Okay. I see that there are some of you. And, and let me give you the litmus test. If I were to ask you, are you a leader? There's a simple litmus test to tell if you are a leader. And that is this. Stop and take a look behind you. And if no one's following you, chances are you're not a leader. Now, I know that's a very simple test. But, but I want to go back and look at my life. I want to have you look at your life because we can get into these situations where we're, we're struggling like Moses. We're sick of people whining, sick of people complaining, this church isn't feeding me. You're not feeding me. We want this. It was better at that church. And what are you doing? And you can be totally discouraged or you can go to the foundation and you can find out what are the strong points that help me to deal with difficult people. 
What I found in my journey is that in order to help me deal efficiently, effectively with difficult people, leadership always starts with me. I must start by leading myself. If I can lead myself into areas of growth, then I can lead other people in areas of growth. And as I began to realize that a lot of the issues that I was facing in dealing with difficult people actually started with me, and I began to pause and, and take inventory on those things, then I started to understand some things. So that's where I wanna go with you today in, in the next five or so minutes that we have together. I want to remind you to understand and embrace your role as a leader. You know, as a leader, I am responsible to find the solution to the problems that exist by whatever means it takes, whether or not I inherited the problem, whether or not they've happened independent of me, or they've been caused by me. Blaming somebody else doesn't help. Whining doesn't help. Ignoring it doesn't help. Quitting doesn't help. Leaders have to find solutions, solutions that can be worked through step by step. So as I start to work through these things, the first thing that I look at is a plan to be developed for my self-care. Everybody here today say self-care, or maybe you'd say soul care. But this is a working system that understands what I need, that you would have, that understands what you need in order to function at an optimum level of health, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Now, you may be coming into work to deal with these difficult people and you're tired because you're not paying attention. You're not taking that weekly day off or you're not spending time with your family or you're not carving out boundaries. And those are all things we can talk about. But, but that's for another day. The other thing with self-care is you need to develop a life team. I call them a life team. These are the people in your life who are aware of your struggles as a leader. Yes, that's right. Leaders have struggles. Leaders have areas of brokenness that they're journeying through. And these are people that will walk with you in love, in care, in support. And I would suggest not to use Job's three friends as a model of a great place to start for your life team. I call my life team my 3 a.m. friends. These may change from time to time. So, so self-care. The other thing is self-awareness. This would be my second point. To develop a sense of self-awareness. To run a self-check on my security or insecurity. Am I insecure at the core? You see, insecurity is deadly when you're dealing with difficult people because it's so easy to take the things that people are saying in the moment, the attitudes that they're conveying, and take them on personally. You can't do that. In, in, in developing self-awareness, you need to find out, am I insecure? Do I take those things on personally? And you need to be able to separate the facts from the emotion of the situation because emotions can easily override the facts but they have to be kept separate. The other thing that you need is a feedback system. You have to ask yourself this question, am I open to honest feedback? Am I open to the discussion that ensues from that said feedback? And ask yourself, what hinders me from receiving such feedback or being open to it? And I think you'll find what I did. Fear and insecurity are huge blockers to that. Um, insecurity and fear, or let me put it this way, fear and insecurity 
result in a lack of prevailing trust. And an insecure person has to surround themselves with yes people. They have to be bolstered up all the time. And it doesn't help you to deal with people that are difficult. It just, it just goes and digs at your insecurity even more. So you need to invite feedback into your life. This is what I've found. Because your openness to truth, or let me put it personally, my openness to truth is what makes me secure. And consequently, that makes me strong enough to hear more truth that makes me even stronger and more secure. And you can see the way the cycle goes there. Now, see, the other thing is that, and we can talk about this at another session, the pastor's role in, in a crisis situation or a situation that is polarized is to initiate, not escalate. The other party is not going to initiate any sort of resolution. So, so you got to be open to to initiate the conversation, start the hard talk, start the, the hard conversation, call out the elephant that's in the room. Again, we're not going to go into all of that right now. In myself developing feedback, I needed to be open to a 360 review by my trusted allies and mentors. And what I mean by that is allow yourself to be graded or judged or, or, or your personality gone over to find where your weak areas are. What a great way to receive feedback. A little intimidating at first, but very, very freeing. The next thing that I would say is that every one of us, this kind of goes along with the life team, needs to build a network of trusted friends and mentors. These are people that can speak into your life. These are people that can encourage you, people you can confess things to. See, we as leaders, when we don't have that back and forth life-giving flow, we become weary ourselves and it's hard to deal with difficult people. So this builded or this built network of friends and mentors are people that will call out your strengths. They'll help you where you're weak. Um, Another session that we'll look at is, is the different people that we want in our life. Everyone needs a Paul, a Timothy, a Barnabas, and that's another session on itself. But lastly, I want to say this. You have to give yourself the freedom, the freedom to grow, the freedom to make mistakes, and the freedom to come through this thing. Because as you as a leader pay attention to what God is doing in you, to the areas that make you insecure, to the areas where you're vulnerable, and you attend to those along with the help of trusted people, you will be strong enough to be able to come at any difficult situation, be it difficult person or people, with fortitude, with strength, and with love. There's so much more to say on this, but it'll have to wait for a later day. So let me close with this reminder that God has called you to be a leader and leaders solve problems. So simply to be a leader means that as a leader, I am responsible to find the solution to the problems that exist, no matter what it takes, whether or not I've inherited the problem, whether or not I've caused it or it's happened independent of me, it's my responsibility. So don't shy away from being able to deal with difficult people. Some of them may turn out to be your friend. And listen, don't shy away from dealing with the difficulties that are in your own life. Because as you start building on that foundation, God will shape a strong, secure individual who's able to communicate to people no matter how difficult they may be. It's been an honor speaking with you today, and I look forward to the next time we get together. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, consider leaving us a review. And if you're looking to grow with like-minded leaders, consider engaging with us on our online community. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can check us out at our website, aaronministries.com.